Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a special guest today from uh, the heart of Pacific Northwest Retardia, uh, Kristen Sokolov. <laughs> How's it going? Going well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand how anybody still lives there, frankly. I know. I know. It's it's honestly, I really feel like the Pacific Northwest, for us blue state conservatives, especially on the West Coast, you put armor on every day. We're just unwilling to flee. Not not yet. Eventually, eventually we'll flee. But uh, for now, we fight. Um, what is it that you do there? Uh, and how did you get into media, I guess, is a good place yeah. to start. Yeah, it's a good question. So I'm coming out of a 20-year banking leadership career. So this last March, I am officially on my own. And so it really started when, you know, in 2020, I've always been awake. I've always been conservative, involved in the community locally, in politics. But in June of 2020, my husband's a Portland police officer. And so as you can imagine, it was really rocking the household, everything we were going through and watching him go through and um, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't be quiet. I had my personal social media and you're not going to get very far when you're uh, basically ranting to family and friends and neighbors. And so I realized that wasn't effective and it was really divisive. And these are people that I've had longstanding relationships with. And so I recorded a rant and it went viral on TikTok. And I immediately went from feeling completely isolated as I was as if I was the only one in the Pacific Northwest with my values to having this built in community. And I felt really empowered and I wasn't alone anymore. And so I started putting the truth out there about what was happening with the riots because they kept saying they were mostly peaceful. Meanwhile, it, it completely the opposite. My husband minimally just minimal experience was being hit with a diarrhea bomb or a paint bomb or a bleach bomb, right? The police officers were just being treated like trash, yet the media wasn't even touching on that. And so I was I was really outing that. Um, and it took off and I started covering stories. My specialty is I like to cover the smaller stories that not every Tom, Dick and Harry is going to put out there. And um, it it was very empowering. And so here I am today. I was picked up by Right America Media, small conservative media outlet. So I've had my show KSOC Uncensored for about two and a half years now. And that's been wonderful. And I've been able to get so many great guests on. And it's really taken off from there. Why do you think um, the Pacific Northwest is so fucked? Like specifically that area? Yeah, well, I feel like even looking back into my dad moved here from New York in the late 60s. Then it was really this idyllic place for someone who was liberal minded. But back then, I really think about what was happening, you know, during Vietnam, etc. Back then, it was this utopia for free thinkers. And it's really it attracted that mentality, which is which is wonderful. I'm all about the free thinking. It was very different at that point. So anyone that felt like a misfit would come to Portland to feel like they had a, a sense of belonging. Uh, somewhere that they were actually welcome. Well, that has just spiraled out of control. And now it went from being keep Portland weird to where it's really just, it's very evil, it's lawless. And I really feel that you have either 
half are the people that just don't fit in in society that were attracted to Portland for that very reason. And then the other half are folks that are pretty level headed, but they are this bleeding heart mentality where they feel like they're doing something right by voting far left. And oh, look at the humanitarian issues we have, the homeless crisis. We have to love everybody for, you know, so it's this bleeding heart mentality and they're so off base. How long so do you it's think the voters? How, how long do you think um, voters will continue to vote for leftist candidates considering how it's getting progressively worse in pretty much right. every major city? I mean, so I, it's a great question. It doesn't seem like it's it, it doesn't seem like it's letting up at all, to be honest. So if we look at the 2020 or excuse me, the midterms this last year, 2022, the gubernatorial matchup there. Oh, so we ended up having a real shot and the Democrat did win, but she won 52 percent to 48 percent. So as far as statewide there was an awakening. We didn't have a strong candidate. And so a lot of people voted for the independent in Oregon, which is just, it's asinine. And it really makes me sick when people don't realize you're just killing our shot at actually having someone who's sane as the governor. But um, I do feel like as a state, there is a bit of an awakening. And if people looked at Oregon and broke it down by county, they would see Oregon is quite red if you took out Portland, Salem and Eugene. So I do feel as a like a governor standpoint, uh, we could actually take back the territory. Now, if you're looking at Multnomah County or or Portland proper, that's really a, a shot in hell. I don't see that happening because there's too many people out there that are so focused on virtue signaling. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Ted Wheeler got ran out of his own fucking condo. And right. You, right. Would, you would think that would be a good sign that the the folks involved in that particular movement aren't reasonable people because right. he, he bent over backwards for leftists and they still he did. they still tried to burn his house down. They did. And so just recently he did a ride along with a police officer in Portland and they did not pursue a vehicle. So they went to pull over a vehicle and the vehicle didn't stop and and took off. And they didn't go after the vehicle. And he's like, what what's going on? He's like, we have non-pursuit laws. Mm. And so actually he was pretty sickened by that. And he is looking, he's apparently revisiting that to see what can be done. Because it is, it's at the point where if you get pulled over in Portland, you can just drive off. You don't have to stop because they're not going to come after you. Same thing in Washington state. So what do they do? And like so mail you a, a ticket or some shit? Nothing nothing yeah well, it looks like a it's a haven for criminals I, <laughs> I told my husband i don't know if i'm gonna pull i mean i i, I like to talk you know yeah. but i'm like i don't know if i'll pull over why why would i pay a ticket no one else has to so yeah not not good <laughs> no that doesn't sound good um and it it's it, it's like uh the analogy i like to use is it's like <clears throat> We're just letting toddlers run our government at this point. Right. You know what right. I mean? Or, oh, or let, I guess probably more apropos is we're allowing uh, like 18-year-old freshmen in college on cocaine run our government, right? Because they're like, they, yeah. they think they have all these lofty ideas. 
it's like it, it's so stupid the way this works. And look, I, I I I'm pretty educated myself, so I'm not anti-education or anything. But the process that people go through when they enter university, um, if, especially first and second year, where they think they've got everything figured out, and then in grad school as well, when they for the second time in their academic career think they have everything figured out, and they all bloviate about this and that and how life's not fair and we need to do this we need to do this um and uh you, you know when they're talking to an adult somebody that has some actual life experience you're like yeah people have been trying that for fucking ever dude you're stupid it doesn't yeah work. like well, everything yeah. you're saying is dumb but it's to me to me it's like um <clears throat> we've kind of leaned into the is ought fallacy there is the way the world is and the way that we feel like it ought to be and it's right. certainly a good idea to try to improve try to improve your position no matter what uh, no matter how how good things get you should always be trying to improve but right we you know we we've this is the delusion that led to DEI and just equity as a as a concept in general things aren't the way they ought to be and they probably won't be the way they ought to be but you're you when you begin to assume that everything must be that way and that everything downstream must be tailored to fit that. That's how you right. arrive at things like equity, which don't make any sense, right? I mean, it's it, right. it removes the meritocratic uh, portion of society, which means now, now exactly how is it that someone becomes successful? There are winners and losers in life. You either win or you will lose individually as a group and then in a single instance and over time, you will either win or you will lose. And if you if that isn't the case, then someone somewhere is just selecting winners and losers, right? right That's how exactly. it works. That's how it works. So it, it's like yeah. wh- whomever the in or out group is will select winners and losers at that point. That's fucked, right? Like that. That's right. just. I mean, think think about it in terms of your office. If there's nepotism going on, like somebody's nephew is there, total retard, right? but continues, <laughs> uh, continues getting assignments, continues getting work because their yeah. uncle runs the company. That company is going to be fucked. Yeah, 100%. And did you see that track race recently? I don't even know what yeah, yeah, the Somalia, person was from. Yeah, yeah. yeah Somalia. and it was like the slowest ever recorded, and that was because of nepotism. And I was like, wow, what? one, did she not have enough self-awareness to stand up for herself and say, this this is ridiculous. I'm not good enough. Or was the family forceful? Like you will bring shame on your family if you don't do this. But wow, I, I Lizzo think they thinks shame with Lizzo that. thinks she's the standard of beauty in the West, right? Oh my goodness! Uh, hefty oh my hefty cinch sack wearing a fucking giant lawn <laughs> garbage bag. I remember uh, that commercial. Yeah. She, she, yeah. she thinks she's the fucking standard for beauty. So it could be possibly that this woman is just delusional, just as delusional as her family was, right? I, yeah, yeah. There's no way. She came out in like some weird, it looked like a, it looked like a bathing suit from the 1930s. It looked like a bathing <laughs> suit that Granny <laughs> Clampett wore in the fucking Beverly Hillbillies or something. It is, uh, bloomers. We're, we're living in the dumbest period in human history. 100%. Yeah, it's it's bad. Uh, I know, I mean, are we gonna, are we gonna go there with uh, body composition? Because I, <laughs> I'm all about. <gasps> It's it's wild. I you know, I don't like fat shaming per se, but I'm all about saying you're just not healthy. Someone at that size, we we shouldn't treat them like trash in society, but we should not enable that type of eating and and re- lifestyle that's leading to that. And then I think about the disease. We're all paying for that as as taxpayers. We're paying for the 
health insurance costs, the the prescription costs for people making poor decisions. But it's such a broken system where, you know, the money is in the disease, not the cure. Mm. And so it's it's really we're not going to see it change at the top because that's who's profiting off of this this disease and this fat. What is it called? Um, oh, goodness. It's like a term that they all use in the community where we're fat, not fat, fat phobic. That, well, there's a no, it's a term where they're they're proud of being fat. It's like a term where it's like you're accepting it. Oh, goodness, it'll come to me. But it's it's just a way of saying you need to accept me at any size. And it's not about acceptance. It's about you're just plain unhealthy. And we're promoting it from the top down as a nation. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we should do that with other stuff. Uh, like Hunter Biden, for example, don't stop criticizing him for smoking crack. He's just living his life. Um, right. We, but we don't treat any, if somebody was a drug addict or an alcoholic, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say, Oh, you know, it's, he's just, that's just his life. That's how he likes to live. He's abusing, right. abu- abusing and ignoring his family. He's like, Oh, you know, that guy, don't worry about him. And yeah, maybe it's not an immediate impact on your spouse and children. If you're a fat piece of shit, you know, you're, you're there. I mean, you're, as a matter of fact, you're probably more there than other people because there's more of you, <laughs> you fat right. bastard, but you are going to die young. You're going to die in your fifties, a hundred percent. You're going to lose a foot to diabetes. And then you're going to die in your fifties. That's how it, that's the, that is how every one of those stories end. So, you know, right. if you think about it in those terms, yeah, you are kind of fucking abandoning your family by being, you know, too, too weak or dumb or lazy to actually take care of yourself. So you exist. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's what they want, right? What they want is dumbed down and lethargic so that we're not able to stand up for ourselves physically, mentally. When you eat like shit, you're tired. So you don't have the the energy. And it's it's this this horrible cycle. And also as a family, let's say like the mom or the dad is morbidly obese and they're not going to have the energy to go play with the kid. I, I doubt they're, you know, throwing the ball in the backyard. They're probably, if anything, watching TV together, microwaving dinners together, right? So it's just this this lifestyle that's completely unhealthy all the way around. And do you ever see families at the grocery store and you see the parents? And I feel bad for the kids because they're only eating what they're given, right? Yeah. And you look in the grocery cart and you see mom and dad and they're huge or even if, usually just mom, I don't know. And in the grocery cart's just complete shit. And I'm like, that kid doesn't have a shot in hell. Mm-hmm. Wait till maybe when they're 18, they'll wake up and realize uh, what's been happening. But they are eating what is being provided to them at the table. And it's it's really concerning to see. And I don't know how that cycle is broken when it's it's the parents that are that are leading yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, the the angry part of me wants to put like a fucking glucose meter in the all the center aisles of the grocery store and be like if if it's above a certain level you just can't come in here. You know what I mean? Go right. go eat vegetables until it comes down. But the the sane part of me and the part of me that gives a fuck about individual liberty says that the only way to solve that problem is to provide a better solution than what's being currently provided. Now, I think something like 20 million uh, families live in food deserts. Uh, which mm. means they don't have access to high quality meat and vegetables in the first place. Right. Um, uh, uh, but then there is the broader community uh, 
and it's it is particularly in the midwest and the south right is where this happens but there's the broader community that has through habit or culture or whatever decided to eat garbage food um Mm. and a lot of it is because it's cheaper right i mean it is cheaper to eat like shit so you know what it it begs the question what are we doing because the government will never solve they will only make something worse always right so what what private industry uh, what people in private industry are getting involved in building infrastructure that makes it affordable to get good food into the home you know what i mean and i there's a right. couple of companies that i work with that i think are pretty good at it moink uh moink box is one of them uh but it's still like we're, we're talking about maybe half of a percent of the population is using services like that to get really high quality meats delivered to their home um right for, for a variety oh, yeah. of reasons sometimes it's they can't afford it sometimes it's because uh, they're in a non-delivery area. Sometimes they don't even know about it, right? But we right. have, we are, the only way to solve this problem in a way that is consistent with libertarian or conservative values is to build industry to solve the problem, right? That's right. the only way it fucking works. So I don't know who's doing any of that. Frankly, I don't work in those communities. I know a lot of farmers and they're struggling just to keep the lights on right now. Right, um, right. So I think, you know, it, it, it's high time for some middlemen to build some business with infrastructure that distributes, even if it's locally or regionally, uh, right. high quality meat and, and vegetables and fruits to people who fucking need it, right? Yeah, uh, 100%. I wonder if they could, you know, I'm just spitballing here. There's something where obviously these programs are funded by the government. Uh, there's some way that we could work our way in and and have this marriage to where it's we can get some of the funding towards Actually, I, well, then again, I say I blow it up before I even finish my sentence, because no, why would we want to make people healthier when we know they can go on diabetes medication? So you're right. Government has to be completely avoided at all costs when it comes to the solution, because it's just never they're never going to get on board with making people healthier. So, no, yeah, I think it's going to have to be some type of like a private company, like you're saying, or a local nonprofit that's really working with underserved communities to have maybe there's classes or or whatnot to where here's a class, here's how you can even learn about how to eat in the first place. And then here's some nonprofits that will work with you concerning budget. And um, yeah, let's, let's hope in the future somebody touches that. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I, you- I've, I think about this a lot, this problem, and I have for a long time. I mean, I, the, I lived in Oakland back in the day, and, um, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty close to being a food desert in certain parts of that city, out near where mm-hmm. the, um, uh, the old football and basketball arenas, stadium and arena is, um, and where the, the A's still play until the end of this year. Uh, yeah, there's no good high quality rest or uh, grocery stores out there, so it's mostly fucking bullshit. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. I just don't know. I, I I don't know that I see anybody really working on a solution towards this. Um, and then it's because what 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 concerns me is the government getting more involved in trying to solve more stuff. Because really, that's just right. They're they're just gonna bookend whatever deal they have with pork right with ways to fucking funnel money out of that and extract wealth out of the community right just like they've done with this um 
with this homelessness crisis yes. in Seattle and Portland and LA specifically, those three, right. those three cities specifically. LA County spends one and a half billion dollars a year on homelessness, and homelessness has gone up twenty percent at a minimum every year for a decade. You know what yep. I mean? Like it. Oh yeah. No, no, you couldn't fucking no. <laughs> if that was a job, you would be fired. Right, right. That's just the thing. So I have a business leadership podcast that I'm a co-host on. And we talk about this all the time because he comes from the public sector. I come from the private sector. And we discuss like, oh, my, you would be fired in a heartbeat in the private sector if you did even a tenth of all this. It's just insane what government, federal, even state, city level get away with. The complete lack of production, the overspending, it's it's grossly I can't even I, I can't even fathom how it's allowed. And I just ran. So last year to pivot a little bit to what I'm doing locally. So for the midterms last year, I was a campaign manager for a he was a 24 year state senator in Washington state. He was trying to end out his he worked for Trump for four years and then he was ending out his career. He was running for a local county counselor position and he was all about the purse strings, making sure you are in control of the purse strings and making people budget and allocate. And I'll tell you what, the left doesn't like that. They want to just tax, tax, tax. And so that was a wild experience to be able to hear from him directly with his 24 plus years experience on you don't need to keep putting the hand out for more. There's there's so many things you can do to make it happen with the existing budget. Um, and so it was it was wild. It was a real eye opener to be able to hear from him firsthand on how grossly outspent um, the the p- p- local politicians on the left, how they they spend tax dollars. It's it's absolutely an eye opener and um, more ne- people need to be aware. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture you can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean or if you use a keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that get 20 percent off your first order with the code citizen so go to blackriflecoffee.com sign up for the coffee club use the code citizen and get 20 percent off your first order this episode of citizens also brought to you by ghostbed dot com forward slash drinking bros right now ghostbed is offering 40 percent off ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else 30 percent off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros if you get the uh 40 off deal if you use the 40 off bundle deal you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff your base your sheets your pillows all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years. 
uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for us. Drink it, bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is also brought to you by Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com forward slash citizen. If you have an upcoming summer trip abroad, um, my go-to travel hack is Babbel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or embarking on your first adventure, communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture. That's where Babbel comes in. Babbel is a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, there's still time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson, so you can start having real-life conversations in as little as three weeks. Babbel's expertly crafted lessons are built around real life. You learn how to have practical conversations about travel, relationships, business, and more. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers and not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and you can choose from up to 14 different languages. In addition, Babbel speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent so you don't sound like an idiot. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, video stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash citizen. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash citizen for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Yeah, I mean, it's just... When you think about working for the government or, or a government program... It's like if I hire a company to come fix my air conditioning at my at my studio here, right? Uh, one dude is going to come out here. Maybe a second guy if they have to install something heavy, but it's going to be one dude shows up, takes a look at the problem, uses his equipment, figures out what's going on, and then <clears throat> fixes it, and I get a bill. That And the end, right? That's the right. end of the fucking program. If right. I ask the government to come fix that same problem, they send the the worker, right, uh, maybe his manager standing in the corner watching him. Uh, uh, and then you have a safety <laughs> inspector in addition to that. And then after he does his work, somebody has to come and look over the work and make sure that it's done correctly. So I've just 4X'd my, uh, the amount of money. It t- not, not just that. The equipment, they, they will charge you. Essentially, this happens. They charge you for an equipment rental as well. It's like you're doing a production, like working in a production wow. studio. And I have to bring a red camera to film something all of a sudden. So it's like, oh, 2500 bucks for the daily use of the red camera. It's like, all right, cool, man. So why am I paying four times as much for you to come do the job poorly? Right. Right. It, it, right. And, and that's, that, is, that is the only thing you really need to know about government solving problems and is that yeah. is that they, they they do not solve problems one they make them worse because they do shitty work and two yeah. they fucking charge you about four on average about four times more than what you would get out of the private sector it's fucking oh 100 so this is the perfect example of that my dad is a retired school teacher and at the end of his career he was he taught gym and this is this is in portland i remember going because i was a jock so i just loved going 
to the gym anytime I could um, to help him teach his classes, yada, yada. So I went in the back room because I wanted to see all the gym equipment. And there were boxes and boxes of bats, baseball bats and baseballs. Now, I was like, "What? what's up with this? You could tell they hadn't been touched. And I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. There was a contract where they had to order, the school district had to order baseballs and baseball bats every year, even though they, the school district had ruled that it was unsafe to play. This is elementary school. So because they had this contract, they had to continue to order equipment that they were no longer allowed to use. And this went on for over a decade. So I, I, that's just a little example of the waste that happens. Did they like, humans. what did they do with all the bats and the balls? They were just in storage, nothing. They did nothing with them. And then they would do this with food too. And my dad was always a maverick. He told me, don't go be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. He told me not to, cause I would hate the politics. And I, I'm glad I listened to him. He was always the maverick. He would try to take things home. Uh, they weren't using them, but no, it had to stay on site, right? Uh, he could get fired if he brought home any equipment that hadn't been used in 10 years. He would try to bring food, food waste from the cafeteria. He would try to go donate that. Mm. And no, we have to throw it in the dumpster. So it just, just the waste and the asinine restrictions yeah, yeah, yeah. that were in place yeah it's pretty wild right so people have I, I don't know if you remember this but 10 maybe 12 years ago this uh couple that ran a sear like a bunch of hot dog carts in florida tried to at the end of the day they would take all the leftover hot dogs from their carts around the city and bring them to a park where a bunch of homeless people were and feed homeless people right uh -huh. and they got arrested by the fucking city for doing i think it was in miami actually they got arrested by the city and, and it was because there is some law from the fda that says you're not allowed to give food waste to people, regardless of the quality of the food. Wow. You're not allowed to give it to people who need it. Now, this is the same FDA that told you all of the lies you've heard over the past couple of years. It's the same FDA yeah. that told you that grain is an an, or is a, is a, is a, an important part of your fucking daily diet. It is not. Right. It's the same FDA right. that approved high fructose corn syrup for use in human fo food, for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. Like these people, do nothing but lie but th this is how it works right so <clears throat> the entire system is set up as such there's a contract right with the government to to provide x y and z and you can't back out of it regardless if you need it or not now we have these same style contracts with privately run prisons all over the country where they have th th this is private companies who run federal and state prisons right. and they have a contract with the, f the federal government or the state government that requires so like it it requires that they have they have a quota you have to keep so many prisoners in prison all the time otherwise you don't get paid by the state what the fuck wow. right i mean how how is that even right. possible and that's on one side that's the corruption and the and just the retarded nonsense on one side and then the other yeah. side you have this woman in <clears throat> in florida uh monique warrell i don't know if you've been tracking on this story but she's a state attorney in Florida and she released that she has a history of doing this. This is not the first time, but she released a guy uh, who was arrested la uh, recently for sexual battery of a minor who was already on probation, released him out of jail on bond, even though everybody recommended that that not happen. He gets out on bond and sees two police officers approaching him 
thinking, oh, they're coming after me to put me back in jail. And he shoots both of them, right? Wow. Now, finally, she got fired today or suspended or whatever happened. Um, but it's like this is happening all over the country. And, yeah. And, and your city as much as anywhere. Right. And so I haven't tracked that specific case. I'm surprised, actually. But um, what happened recently, I'm not sure if you heard. So Kate Brown, who was our governor before this most recent election, she released a prisoner who ends up being the serial killer who's killed, what, four, four mm. at least. They think six, but at least four confirmed. Um, he was released because of COVID. Like, oh, let's make room. We don't want these people to catch COVID in jail. So they, she releases them. I can see releasing some very low level, maybe someone that's been in there with marijuana charges, even though, like old charges when it was illegal, yada, mm -hmm. yada. But, but to release someone who had convictions like a murder. Um, anyway, so he's out on the street and, he, and now he's, he's murdered more women and they think six. And that's just what they know of. Uh, so yeah, another, another complete loser. Now she's out of office, so she's not going to be held accountable for that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's, since you brought that up, let's talk about feminism for a minute. All um, right. Cause I thought it was like meant to elevate and protect women. Right. And that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Right. No. Um, like the, the, there was, I don't know what we're in now, but third wave feminism was that women need to become like men to be successful, which is a fucking, it's not only is it stupid, but it's just a lie. Right. I mean, it's right. And it's a lie that was told, uh, ad nauseum and with consequence right. that, that is to say, if you said, no, that's not women don't have, shouldn't want to be like men. Why would women want to be like men? That's not who you're not. What the fuck? That doesn't even make any sense. Why would you want to be right, more like a man? Right. You're a woman, uh, but you would get ridiculed or you're sexist for saying that. What you are you saying? Women shouldn't be CEOs? Like, no, I don't give a shit. What the fuck anybody chooses to do? I do not care. Yeah. I promise you, yeah. I don't care. I don't even care if you live or die. Frankly, most of the time, I don't give a fuck. I mean, it's interesting to think about uh, what you're up to out in the world sometimes, but I promise you, I don't stick. I don't stay up at night thinking about female CEOs are like, man, they're taking jobs from fucking men that I don't even know. <laughs> know. Are you fucking kidding me? Nobody thinks like right. that. That right. is retarded. But yeah, whatever that was third wave now, fourth wave, maybe feminism. I don't know if they're calling it that is, uh, well, dudes are women now and you're fucking <laughs> racist or whatever. If you say that's not the case, uh, right, right. and, and, and the result is just so goddamn obvious. It was so obvious. This is what was going to happen that men start yeah. to invade women's spaces and then replace them and, and do right. the same thing to them that, that feminism began to stop in the fucking first place. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's really interesting. Okay. So I want to, I talked to my mom about this because she worked in an office in the seventies and would tell me basically women that were hired were expected to have sex with the men there. Like, and this is a, an actual like office building. Mm. So she's like, I talk about feminism and how I'm, I'm quite against it. And she's like, I am too. But that part was important, like that aspect of it to where women were like the respect aspect needs to be there, which I completely agree with. I think, honestly, this has been a plan that has been made to stop women from getting married at a, at a relatively normal age, to stop women from having the the goal of having kids. Mm. I, I think it was all by design. Like, let's break down this family unit. And 
And when you do that, it, all of these negatives are coming from it. So like, for instance, I, like I said, I just left a 20 year career as a bank leader. All I ever wanted was to continue to climb the ladder, become an executive at some point. And I didn't even tell people that I worked with that I had kids and ones that didn't work directly with me. Obviously, those folks knew. But when I would meet a colleague or meet a leader that didn't even come in, come up at all and didn't even come into play because I thought it would be seen as a weakness. And it goes back to that. You you want to present as a man as a man mentality, right? Like I don't have these balls and chains around my ankles. I can do just as much as let's say men can do. Isn't that's that isn't that a, isn't that crazy though? That's a crazy it is, way it's to drilled think. into you. It is, and and you just like you're the person drilled. you are. All the all the good qualities that you have that put you right. in that position are because of all the things that are in your life, right? Exactly, exactly. It made me when I became a mother, I was a better leader, mm. and so it's and I'm more patient and understanding and ask better questions. So it was all a, a positive, but it was was seen as a weakness. It wasn't spoken, but you would hear leaders talk about oh, so-and-so's kids are sick, right? So you, you would hear things like that that would make you feel like, I'm not in a safe space to be able to use my kid as a crutch. Say my kid has the flu, I better figure it out. I better get a babysitter or a family member. And this isn't just, this is in leadership, in, you know, pretty middle management, upper mm. management. So that that was the unspoken environment. And so... I played along, not knowingly. I didn't know I was playing along, but I but I did. And it was amazing when I was able to start working remote in 2020. I started reevaluating what mattered in life. And I know so many people have said the same thing, but it was it's so true. My husband and I, we always had a tumultuous marriage. We were it was a pissing contest. Mm. Who slept the least? Who's done the most around the house? It, it really was a very negative, for the most part, the day-to-day -day grind was negative. And once I was home with the kids, I realized, oh my, my goodness, there's this huge gap. Like, this is my calling. I want to mm. be present. I want to be a better wife. I don't want to have this be a pissing contest every day. I want to be a present mother who's actively involved in teaching my kids. I am homeschooling now. This will be the third year that I'm homeschooling and they roped me into teaching seventh grade. It's a homeschool group. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's yeah. the way to do it, by the way. I'll, in a minute, yeah. I'll have you explain how you're doing that. But a bunch of my friends yeah. when, when I was in high school did this thing and it was the, it was way better than yes. it, it also, you learn really fast how inefficient public school is like, you don't, yes. it, it's essentially nine hours of daycare. You know what I mean? Right. It's completely Seriously. Anyway, Especially when you have one teacher to 32 kids, yeah, which is yeah. what the standard is here. Yeah. So I, I started realizing that really life as I knew it what was not really, it wasn't, I always felt like this. I don't know if you've ever felt it, but where I felt like I was never, I was always churning. I always mm -hmm. needed more something else. I didn't know what it was exactly. I was just always churning and never satisfied. And I feel so much more sad. I'm always going to want to achieve. That's always going to be in me. Achieve, achieve, mm. achieve. But it was different. I felt almost like this emptiness and I couldn't quite figure out how to fill it. But now that I've realigned and I'm no longer working in corporate America, I'm present for my children. I'm a good wife now. I actually, I can't wait this heat. Now this would be different. Let me just say, I put a video out recently 
and I had some mixed reviews on it, which is fine. Uh, but I basically said, you know, a little marriage advice. My husband gets home at 5.15 every day at 4.15. I'm naturally, I'm going around and picking up, tidying up, because when he walks in, I think about his vantage point. When he walks in the front door, does it look like a bomb went off? <laughs> is there shit on the floor? Mm. Is there crap on the table? Is there, what does it look like outside? You, so it sounds really crazy. He never set expectations. I need my dinner ready. I need the house picked up. That I would, that wouldn't have gone over well. Let's just say with me. Here, here. I do it because I want to. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, I, I don't understand why this is so goddamn hard. I mean, I guess it is easy to understand. People have been lied to. This is the big lie. Yeah. The big lie told to women specifically is that um, saying that you should do something means that you must do something, right? You're free to do whatever the right. fuck you want to do. And I'll right. tell you this, like this idea that um, <clears throat> uh, you can work for a corporation and make them money and grind yourself into paste for them. And that's, yeah. that's somehow noble. But if you do that for your family, if you do that for your husband and your kids, somehow you're a slave or some shit. That doesn't make any fucking right. sense. But the it is the willful act of choosing to be a servant leader, as Robert Greenleaf like, liked to say back in the day. You're goddamn right. You're a fucking servant to your family. You're a servant to everybody around you, your community. Every, every meaningful thing you do in your life will be for somebody else, right? Right. And that should be most true for your family. And if it's not, right. then you're fucked up. Like if you if you yeah. if you have to go out into the world and do other things to find fulfillment, I can tell you that you're not going to find them there. That's just that's just how it is. Right. Uh, Carl Sagan said that uh, for me, it's far better to grasp the universe as it is rather than persist in delusion, regardless of how gratifying the delusion might be. Right. Mm. It is true for the vast majority of women that they are going to find themselves in the service of their children and their husband if they're straight, if not their partner in some some way. You're right, not you're right. not going to find fulfillment at work. You just you're not. No. I'm sorry that uh, you've been lied to your whole goddamn life and that you're one hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt for for college for a degree yeah. that's useless. But it, the reality is that for the vast man, and it's again. You don't have, this doesn't mean you're, you should feel forced to do this. You should right. recognize this in the same way that when your fucking stomach rumbles, you know, you're hungry. You know what I mean? Right. These biological uh, urges are 2 million years old now for fuck's sake. Right. I ignoring that, <sighs> ignoring that and pretending like it's noble to, to break free of your programming or whatever. God, that's such right. a pedantic, useless and pathetic way to go through life. Right. And if you think about it, that is leading to the mental health crisis that we do have in our country. We have depression, anxiety through the roof. And, you know, there's I think Chris Rock did a bit on, damn, that basically the kitchen table at night is lonely. Like mm -hmm. you can you can go out and have one night stands or have, do this and that or work all day. Like you said, grind yourself into paste at the office. And then you come home if you're alone at night. Gosh, that's that's lonely. And obviously, there's periods in my life where I was single. Right. And but I'm talking like in life when most people are really looking to cultivate a relationship and a family. That is not the way to go, in my opinion. And it, it it's sad. So I do feel like um, my like I said earlier, my marriage has been, never been better. We still have our issues, of course. But uh, I'm I'm all about the the willful servitude. And quite frankly, I'm really enjoying it. 
And and no, I'm not brainwashed, right? People tell me, oh, you're brainwashed and all, all of that. But they can say whatever they want. I, I I can just say I've been on the other side of it. I've I've been there and where we I've, I wanted to be seen as equal. And I do feel like that we are maybe 51, 49. I'm the 49. I personally think that makes sense. And um, and it's pretty cool when when you can start realizing that and be completely OK with it. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I think most people would agree that doing being kind to or helping other people makes you feel good. And then you can pretty easily track that back uh, to evolutionary biology and understand why it's important. Right. The, right. The, the, the urge to socialize, the urge to build um, uh, uh, together is a survival instinct to protect against existential threats. That's that's what it is. Right. That's right. Like, it's the same as uh, thinking your baby's cute. So you don't eat them, right? It's from our primate days. <laughs> yeah. That, like there's a there's a biological purpose for all of this stuff, and it's been cooking for a while now, quite a bit longer than we've been around, quite a bit longer than human civilization has been around. As a matter of fact, um, I, I don't. I, I really struggle <clears throat> to understand why people seem to find nobility in trying to outsmart nature. You know what I mean? We don't. Right. It, right. It, we we don't. It it never works. Like we make uh, GMO crops, for example, um, and they they like we can only get them to well one they they become far less nutrient dense than they were before, which means mm-hmm. not only are our crops less nutrient dense, but it also means the meat we eat is less nutrient dense because that's what they fucking eat. Um, right. We every time we think we we've outsmarted nature, we completely butt fuck ourselves. You know, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is so. It, it, and look again. <sighs> There's so many, uh, there's a lot of ways to run a race. You know what I mean? Like if you, yeah. if you look at, look at like a, a lower level marathon, go, go out and watch one one day. I, I, I highly encourage it because you're going to see um, a lot of different people out there doing different stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to see some people right. wa- walking. You'll see some people walking. You'll see some people uh, that are uh, disabled in, in, in uh, those uh, I guess it's that three-wheeled bicycle or yeah, whatever that you can sit down cool. in. Uh, there's, right. there's a lot of ways to finish that race, but you still have to stay on the course. You know what I mean? Right. Otherwise, right. you're not part of the race. You're not, you're not part right. of the activity that's going on. And if you divorce yourself from this cycle of you know, learning as a child, finding your niche in adulthood, both as uh, 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 you know, a, a member of society, but also with your family. If you don't go through these paces, you are going to be hopelessly depressed. That right. like that is the root of the root of nihilism is feeling like you aren't doing enough. That's why when you were before when it was mostly about your career, that's that's right. all that is. That's all it is yeah. is your is your brain and body saying, "Nah, this ain't it, man. We're not we, right. we, we weren't we weren't put here to sit in a cubicle and check off boxes on a career checklist. That's not what we were here right. for. We're here to we're here to to make babies and build civilization so those babies can have babies of their own. That's that's the right. whole fucking point right. of us being here. Yeah, I love that. And you know, when I even when I was in the office every day, I I purposely chose an office that was close to home so I would not even I've passed up promotions that were downtown. And I have a picture of me every day on my lunch break. I would come home and hang out with my my daughter at the time. And just and luckily I was I had my family here to help 
raise her mm. uh, when I was at work. So thank goodness for that. But um, every single lunch break, I went home. And I remember once my boss happened to be at my at my office and was like, oh, I was planning to take you to lunch today. And I was like, I'm sorry, my daughter's expecting me on my lunch break. And his jaw dropped. He, he could not believe he pushed on me a few times, too. Oh, I, I really would like to take you to lunch so we can talk about X, Y, Z. I'm sorry. My daughter is expecting me at home. So I even I had it in me then. Uh, it was starting to creep up where I knew that I needed to be more present and I wasn't willing to to let that fall to the wayside, especially when you know you, you have someone at home that expects you. Sure, but yeah. um, I encourage more women to do that. Even if you are working full time still, put your foot down. And um, and it felt really good to stay true to myself in that time. I think it's probably getting a little bit better um, <laughs> in that regard. And I wonder if it isn't that um, more dads becoming involved in tasks that women used to do, like taking kids to school or staying home when they're right. sick or whatever, has eased the tension a little bit around women having to take time off when their kids have something going on, whether they're sick or they, they have an event or yeah. something. I think it, it does seem like just colloquially, for, or not colloquially, uh, uh, anecdotally from talking to my buddies who have young kids, it does seem like it's becoming a bit more reasonable in that regard. Right. Yeah. Uh, my, and my I friend, think so. My friend does the dad edge podcast. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it before. No, sounds great. Yeah. One of the things that he talks about a lot is what he considers to be non-negotiables. Right. So it's like I love it. at, um, X amount of times per week at this time, we have dinner together as a family and nothing, I don't care what happens unless it's a literal emergency, like somebody's hurt yeah. or something, nothing gets in the way of that. Like if somebody's like, Hey, I've got an important call. It's got to get pushed to the, to the right for 30 minutes. It's like, sorry, it's got to get pushed to tomorrow. Cause this is an, like, this time is blocked off already. It, yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. I think people kind of feel weird sometimes about scheduling activities with their partner, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, kids or something like that maybe it's like it, it's well that you should just do that sort of stuff but i think you need to put it on your calendar and then stick to that yeah. schedule right i think it's really important yeah. to have that time i do too i think it shows a respect for yourself and for your relationships and in my the business leadership podcast that we do it's called the dirty side of leadership but i i talk about this all the time i've never you know i'm i'm sure you've seen emails come in from certain people um, especially in the corporate world, they come in on a Sunday at 10 p.m. or Saturday night, 8 p.m. And I'm like, I don't go, oh my gosh, how amazing. Marty is working so hard. Man, he should just really get a promotion. I think, what a loser. Yeah, it's like, what do are you, you doing? Not... <laughs> exactly. It's like, you don't have enough self-respect to block off your weekend or do you not have the time management throughout the week to make sure that you have a true break? So I never thought that was something commendable. I always thought it was actually pretty uh, pretty piddly to be able to see people not have enough self-respect to turn the computer off for the weekend and actually um, put time on the calendar for yourself and for your family. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I understand and, and as a manager of people, as I've been for some time now, I try not to because I, I, I have stream of consciousness, right? I'm in my brain. I'm always working no matter what I'm doing. It just that's the way my brain works. And I, and I get right. Bored. Like it, if I go on vacation and somebody isn't constantly, uh, someone isn't constantly distracting me, I'll just go start working. You know what I mean? I just, that's just right. I, I, cause I, I actually enjoy doing, I, I write a lot. I enjoy what I do. So it's not like, uh, uh, I'm pathological about it. I just actually enjoy it, but I have tried to stop 
this used to be bad. I used to do this all the time. I would, I would be up late at night, you know, kind of winding down for bed and have a bunch of thoughts and email one of my subordinates. Um, and they feel like because I'm the boss, then that there's some sense of urgency there. So I had to stop doing right. that. I, I would save right. the email as a draft and wait until the next morning to send it uh, moving go. forward. That's how I that, like, but the, you should, you should, especially if you're in a position of leadership, yeah. uh, whether it's parent or you're, you're an actual manager at your office. Um, you got to think about that stuff sometimes because the worker is always going to feel like there's an impetus to get things done as yes. quickly as possible. Right. And it, right. And you're cultivating that. So if they yeah. see the boss sending an email out on a Saturday, they think, oh, okay. So if my boss is doing that, I should probably be doing that. So it's, yeah, it is good. I think it that's good that you thought about that and, and saved it for the next morning. Mm. And I get it. It is different when you're an entrepreneur or you're self-employed. That's, that's a different world. Um, so I'm, I get that you, things are just going to be coming at you all the time. Yeah. Um, even more so a reason to schedule your personal time, I think. Yeah, certainly it is. Um, uh, but I think you can use that skill in both ways, uh, frankly. And because, yeah, we, I do own businesses and have employees and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, but, I, but I do try to realize that my level of investment in that company is actually is quite a bit higher than somebody who's just getting a salary for it. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a, right. that's a really different thing. Um, Absolutely. Tell me about uh, your the two. You're you're a co-host on one show, and then you're a primary host on another. Tell me about those shows. Yeah, so KSOC Uncensored that is a political talk show, but my guests range from having Dr. Robert Malone, where we're clearly talking about very high level uh, medicine, the inventor of the mnra technology, down to somewhat your your vet that lives in the community right mm -hmm. i've had i've had local folks on who have a message that they want to share and so our topics range from politics to health to what you should have in a go bag um emergency preparedness so i really it, we talk about anything that is to better yourself mm -hmm. and to um it's we want folks to wake up and and take control of their lives but also sometimes it's just hearing it from hearing something you already know from someone in a in a powerful position. And and so it, it's it's been a really great learning experience. I've had some country singers on at Cafe Anderson. I it, it's been amazing. Um, and so I think you, you just never know who you're going to get on my show. It's mm -hmm. pretty fun. And um, I'm not always I think what's unique about me is I'm not always going for who has the most followers. I've had people on that have zero social media presence, but they have a powerful message. So I really am for the people. I feel like there's so many grifters out there and I am like the anti grifter. I, I can't stand that where someone's just doing it for the likes, for the follows, for the comments, for the, the, the limelight. I think we all need someone that's really going to talk the talk, but walk the walk. Mm. And so that's what I pride myself on is being uber involved. So we talk a lot about that on KSOC Uncensored. And then I have the the show that I'm a co-host on, and that's the Dirty Side of Leadership podcast. And my co-host is a best-selling author of the Dirty Side of Leadership book. And he worked for the government in high-ranking positions. Um, and so he ha he brings a lot of a lot of leadership experience and knowledge. And definitely we go there. Like we just talked about, you mentioned DEI in the beginning of the show. We go into thing into topics that most leadership podcasts won't like 
is DEI dead? Or, you know, like why, why DEI is more divisive in the workplace than it is bringing people together. Um, and so we, we really are pretty edgy as far as leadership podcasts are concerned. And um, we've been pretty open about our political views, even though we, we decided we weren't going to do that initially. <laughs> I think naturally, especially being wired like I am, naturally you just kind of, you end up there. Um, and so, um, but people have, have really enjoyed it. That just rolled out in March. So that's a fairly new podcast, but it's doing well. And what's your goal with that? You know, honestly, for me, with with the leadership podcast per se, mm. I've been honing skills to where I could be a leadership coach. I could be a speaker at a corporate event and just helping people understand different aspects of leadership that they're not generally going to hear mm. from your average speaker or leadership presenter. And so, um, so my co-host, he has this whole company where he goes out and he teaches different leadership aspects. It could be, he even has a diversity training and, but it's very different from your quintessential diversity training. So that's part of what I can do is go out and, and talk to corporate or federal, whoever, whoever has employees that they want to do some leadership training with. And um, so that's what I'm doing with that. And I'm currently writing a book and that's exciting. Um, my co-host Ron, because he has that experience in, in writing a book, he's like, you have a book in you. It's been really pushing on me to to get that out. So, and that's not gonna be, you know, there's a lot of people that are writing political books and that's that's great for me. I really felt this calling. I am really good at labeling a, a interpersonal relationship and filing it away. And that's what my book is gonna be about. Uh, how you can, how you can really, you look at someone and you think that that's a friend of mine. They don't check every friend box. Mm. They they have some some issues that maybe they are, they can be flaky. Um, maybe they can be like the frenemy, right? Where they don't compliment you on your achievements. But I, I truly feel that if you can look further than that and and understand why they're they're acting that way you label them you file them away you don't have to sever all of those relationships you just know the face value yeah i and say that so, all the time i actually it's i love it i it t when talking about trust in friendships or business uh what i like to say is that i trust them to be who they are right right which is, which is predictable and manageable and if it becomes unmanageable obviously you got to sever it but Right. Um, yeah. Not not everybody is going to be, and I it, frankly, it's it's a little bit narcissistic and arrogant to expect everyone should both have the same values and then uh, uh, behave as you right. would. Uh, you know what I mean? It does, I don't think you're doing right. yourself a whole lot of favors by you just seem right. like a self righteous asshole, frankly. Yeah, and you'd be amazed. You probably have seen it. There's a lot of people out there. They will write somebody off for very little things and and even long-standing relationships i see people write off their siblings mm. and and you know i something that's important to me and that's really shaped me with forgiveness is i have a sister who was she's five years younger than me she was a very heavy drug year, user for 10 years and manipulated my parents out of money and they enabled and um, it was a really tough time for the whole family, the stress. And then I was always the bad guy because I, I'm i very transparent and very blunt. And I'd be like, you're enabling her. Let her live on the streets. Then I'm the asshole. Mm. So it was it was a tough 
10 years, she was stealing and to, to as many do, stealing to um, get money for the, and then selling whatever she was stealing and to get to feed her drug addiction. And about five years ago, gosh, maybe even six years ago, she was arrested. Uh, she had been arrested dozens of times, but she was finally, she had the book thrown at her and she was in for, she got a three-year sentence and that's here in Oregon. And she sobered up. It was amazing because there's ways, obviously, and a lot of people think, oh, in prison, there's no access to drugs. There, there sure as hell are. And But she decided this is it. So here she is six years later and she is she's been clean and she's married she's thriving in her uh in her career and she goes to her her classes constantly she's there five days a week she's mentoring dozens of women and it's a lesson in forgiveness because you if i would have written her off she stole from me right if i would have just written her off like so many do it, that would have been really sad because I would have missed out on this great relationship that we have today. But I can see not everyone is is wired like I am. I am a forgiving person. I know what someone is capable of. And I think that's really important. I always know what could be there negatively mm -hmm. and positively. <clears throat> and I just live in a, it's a reality of they still could do this, but I'm choosing to forgive that. And let's let's move forward until I have reason to maybe backtrack a bit. Yeah, uh, I mean that's just a sign of leadership, I think, because you you wanna you wanna pull people up any chance you get. Yeah, right. Like we we all exist in this world. If and if you like, if we just let people constantly fall through the slip through the cracks, then eventually right. we're gonna reach a critical mass and have Portland, for example, and it's gonna be fucked. Yeah. Um, look, thank right. you for coming today. I really appreciate it. It's been a good conversation. Absolutely. Um, make sure you guys check out KSOC Uncensored. And also check out the dirty side of leadership. Dirty, as in like not 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 sexually, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I think we're, we're beyond that now. Well, yeah, for the most part. Uh, yeah, thank you for <laughs> thank you for coming today. Thank you. Yeah, and, and uh, <clears throat> thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.